0: LifeWay Lifeway. Leadership Leadership Podcast Network.
1: You're listening to the One Ministry Question Podcast, and I'm your host, Todd Atkins. Today, I'm here with Dan Aiton. Hey. And uh, we're really piggybacking off our first episode. The first episode was all about uh, recruiting volunteers really during a very difficult season. Um, But now I think it really is important to talk about onboarding volunteers well. Uh, we all know that whether it's, uh, it's a new service that we're subscribing to or, or whatever it is, that, that the onboarding experience, our first experience, is really important and kind of sets the tone for what is to come. And so this is especially true when we look at volunteering in the church. So some of the things that we talked about last time that were really important were, you know, clarity of roles and making sure you have role descriptions and making sure you have, you know, some type of training. But I want to ferret that out a little bit, Dan. So, okay, I want you to think back to when you were um, you were first volunteering in a church or like what's your worst experience
0: man I feel onboarding. <laughs> <laughs> I know right I feel like I feel like churches we are so good at just getting somebody in the door to hey let I, I'm signed up to volunteer and then from there just dropping the ball <laughs> and you're you know you're left you show up to the service you know 20 minutes earlier like they told you to and you're standing around looking for who's leading this what am I supposed to do Am I actually needed here? You know, I've had that several times where, you know, whether it's a greeter role or whether it's even like leading a small group. Totally, um,
1: They just talked about how important this was. Okay. They got up, you know, they probably guilted me into it. They may have, we talked about that a little bit, but you know, they talked about how important this is and, and I, I, I bit, you know, I I'm in, I'm here. Uh, I showed up. When I was supposed to, and I'm, I'm still not sure, you know, what what I'm supposed to do, uh, and that handoff is, I, uh, I don't know about your experience. In my experience, it was it was half done. I describe it um, as a similar to experience in how I learned to swim. Uh, my family's from Eastern Kentucky, so don't judge. Uh, <laughs> but my dad and my uncle took me and my cousin to the creek and kept throwing us in. One was in the water with us. But that's how we learn to swim. And for a lot of us, whether it's a volunteer role or a staff role at church, that's how we learn to swim.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and man, no wonder so many people uh, tap out. So let's talk about some of the different aspects of onboarding and, and onboarding well. When have you seen onboarding done well and what were some of those elements?
0: Yeah, I think to me, it's when a church has a process, they've actually thought through what this looks like. And it's a streamlined process amongst the whole church. You know, I think there's been many times where um, I've gone into something and been like, I actually really don't know a lot about what this church does and how volunteering in this role fits into their larger strategy. And I think churches that do that well, have a process where they do make known their their values and the reason why you're serving and how that fits into what they're doing as a whole um, so they give you a larger picture but then they will also go down granular as to what this specific role looks like what your expectation should be um, they give you that knowledge piece but then they follow it back up with the coaching um, when you start serving
1: you know um I- i'll say this Uh, when I've seen it done best, it's actually been done by a lay leader or volunteer Mm. versus a staff person. And that's nothing against the staff person. We both have been staff persons uh, in multiple roles, but I'm just saying, you know, again, a lot of times the best person to recruit and develop and train a new volunteer isn't, is themselves a volunteer. When we, look at pipeline philosophy and framework, we're saying, hey, every, um, every position within your church, whether it's a volunteer position and they're focused on, you know, leading themselves well and being responsible for that volunteer role they've been given, or if they're in a leader role where they're leading volunteers or they're in a role where they're leading leaders or leading a ministry, you know, as you go up uh, in responsibility, you know, there's different competencies that are, are, of course, required. But one of the things that we want to see people do is even within that level of being a volunteer, I want them to first learn the role, then I want them to become competent in the role or lead the role, and then multiply themselves there before I ask them to be a leader. Um, it's important because most of the time in churches, we don't do that. When somebody uh, shows up and is responsible and seems to be fairly competent in the role, we immediately want to make them a leader over other volunteers. Yep. um but what we what we often do is throw them in. And you know what made them successful as a volunteer will not make them successful at leading volunteers. That's true in staff roles as well. You know, anytime anybody gets promoted, um, we often fail to to position them well um, to be successful because they don't have what they need uh, to be onboarded well so you know we, we in talking about this subject we're thinking about the volunteer level but it may be helpful at some point in time down the road to talk about what does it look like to transition a person from being a volunteer to a leader because we often um, just think that that's that's easy. Oh, that's that's easy. You know, mm-hmm. they're just serving at a higher level, but the problem with that is they end up doing more than they did as a volunteer versus developing others um, to do the role.
0: No, that's great.
1: So, okay, so different elements. If we're getting down to the brass tacks of uh, of onboarding, what do you need to do onboarding well? Let's talk about the different elements. So, I'm going to start off with. Um, a good, clear ask that falls in line with the vision of the church. and And guys, for people listening, I don't want you to just hear that this is for mid-size and large churches. No, this is actually something that any size church can do and do well. In fact, some smaller churches can do it even better than larger churches because they don't have a staff person <laughs> to do yep. it. Yep. So they have to rely on the weight of Uh, little systems and processes and templates to help them out. What, What would you say? Okay, so first it's a clear ask that aligns with the vision.
0: Next, what? Yeah, I think it's going back to even before they become a volunteer. I think it's having a really good application process that they've gone through that they understand what their role is. I think last podcast, you talked a lot about having a job description, a clear, articulate job description that they know what they're getting into and then having to apply for that and even having reference checks and going and checking those references and seeing if this person's a good fit for that ministry um, and doing the background checks, all those sorts of things things need to be done well to then move them on to onboarding them into the position well.
1: So So one of the things here to consider, again when we look at larger churches and smaller churches, you know you may be able to skip the reference check in a smaller church because a person is known or maybe they're serving in already serving in another position that's known. Um, you should never skip a background check, uh, especially when it comes to serving in kids' ministry and maybe even a leadership role. Uh, simply because it's it's understanding the, the safety of the church members and the, the kids in the church are, are really important there. So regardless of the size of church, I would say uh, you you got to do that background check. The application process is great because it often helps people articulate uh, their faith and testimony a lot better. Uh, and so just even simply doing that, you're going to find out more about them their testimony, their experience, if you have a good application process.
0: I also think it raises the bar of commitment. It's not just that somebody asked me on the side of church on Sunday to serve in kids ministry next week. There's actually a, I actually do want to do this and I'm I'm actually going to sit down and do this application, whether it's five minutes or 10 minutes, they're actually making a commitment to start serving there.
1: It does communicate a level of seriousness and, and responsibility that's there. And, you know, people may push back and say, well, that's, uh, you know, I I don't know that I want to put those type of barriers in place. It's hard enough to get volunteers as it is. And I would say, uh, it's all in how you posture and position Mm -hmm. the ask and the role. Um, because you can communicate to somebody you highly value them based on how you ask. If uh, if you are begging and if you're saying anybody can do it or I just need somebody there um, that's communicating the the absolute wrong thing. And even if you, if you don't have to have an application or you just show up um, that's what they're going to do. They're just going to show up versus, Hey, and and they're going to feel dumped on, especially if they're a leader. Um, Whereas in the, You know, when I go through and have some type of process, we're good to go. Now, I'll say this don't let that be a a huge barrier for you either. We can give you uh, sample applications, sample processes. The other thing I would say is recognizing that you do have that many people that are serving in uh, more than one area of the church. Uh, uh, We've mentioned before on a previous podcast 2.67 times is the number of times an average volunteer serves in a church. That's how many roles they serve in, sorry. And and so it it is recognizing that your application um, should be the same for all the elements, all the places in the church. You may have an addendum if somebody is, you know, leading a short-term trip or in a student ministry uh, or, you know, versus an usher role. You may have an addendum where you want to know a little bit more information or you want them to, you know, fill out a little bit uh more stuff or or have references at place at at this level but guys um you can that's easily done and we often make excuses especially mid-sized and larger churches that oh well the children's ministry is so special and the missions ministry is so special and this ministry and that ministry are so special they need their own application and then you end up with tons of applications or a volunteer who's serving in one ministry and they get one onboarding experience and one type of application, uh, yep. or, and training and another, they're just dumped on and dumped in. So,
0: yeah. So once they get in that application process, Todd, what do you think, what's the next step once they pass the application, they're approved to serve, what do you, what do you think is a good next step?
1: Well, often that's where we leave it, right? Mm-hmm. That's when the scenario comes, even if we've, you know, we think we're we're really good at this. Um, we often say we'll show up, you know, 30 minutes before the service here and that person shows up and either the leader that's leading it doesn't know that they're they're coming <laughs> or the leader is so ready for the service to begin in, in 30 minutes and they know all the things that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. It's, oh, thank you for coming. Um, you know, just watch and pitch in or, you know, uh, whatever. It, it isn't intentionally done to say, oh, this is how this is how we onboard. Now, I would say even in that situation, you have the opportunity as a leader to have another volunteer mm-hmm. really help that person through. So it'd be like, hey, you're going to shadow John today. Dan, we're so glad you're here. Everybody, this is Dan, you know, uh, Dan's going to be shadowing John this week, next week, he's going to shadow Tina and whatever. Um, I don't know where those names came from. That was crazy. Uh, I don't know. I don't, I know plenty of Johns. I don't know. (laughs) Um, But anyway, the, uh, that I think is, is kind of your next step then understanding, Hey, when we're transitioning responsibility, uh, that handoff is is a transformational process. It is not a transactional process. We treat it often as a, it's a transaction. We're done. You know, we've done the application process. We've given them the job description. We told them, "Hey, here's what the expectations are for meetings." You know, we have one quarterly meeting and one annual meeting. Um, all of that we're not really done until that person is successful in their role. And so we should know what that looks like, you know, for our ushers, here's the competencies we want to have them do. Yes. We want to provide them training, but we also want to match them up with that person from an experience side of things to shadow. Uh, and ultimately here's the checkbox. We will know this person is, you know, good to go when they, can do these things on their own or um, they can answer these questions or kind of fill in the blank. That is where onboarding is done uh, successfully. When that person is now moved from the learner phase to the leader phase and they're competent in that role. The only question next is when do they become, when do they move to the multiplier phase where the next volunteer is shadowing them? Or when they've recruited another volunteer at the at the top of somebody's uh, job description, not the top, but the top one of the top requirements should be recruiting other volunteers because they know more normal people than you do Mm -hmm. uh, than, than the staff person does.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's such a key to recruiting new volunteers, as you guys talked about last podcast. And and for me, I think one of the biggest thing churches can do as you try and onboard new people is, you know, you can obviously, you know, Todd talked about that coaching piece and that experience piece, um, but I think streamlining stream streamlining the knowledge piece and getting them, you know, in advance of their first time serving this is what it looks like to serve in this ministry. This is when you show up. This is how we schedule you. This is how, um, what time we want you to be there and what to wear, if that's a requirement in there. Um, All those things, getting that knowledge piece out, you can do that in advance. Um, That's one of the things I love about Ministry Grid that we have is we have customizable templates that we encourage churches to go in and put those things in that in advance and send that out to your volunteers. I. Remember, one of my worst experiences at Restoration City was our kids director was out of town. We had new people showing up to serve in kids ministry. And somehow halfway through the service, somebody tells me there's two girls in our two-year-old room, first time serving. There is nobody else in that room with them. And neither of them knows how to change a diaper. (laughs) I'm just being like, we have missed the mark on this one. Uh, We have not trained these volunteers. Well, they aren't going to have a good experience. They're not going to want to serve again. Uh, We could have easily figured out those things if we had a better system in place to onboard volunteers. So it's even just kind of thinking through what those are and that it's streamlined. If that kid volunteer, that kid leader is not there, that should not impact a volunteer's first Sunday.
1: And, and guys, I want you to think of systems in a natural way, uh, not how you're probably thinking of it. Think, you know, your circulatory system. Um, it should be something that your church just naturally does. It's, it's, it's like breathing. Um, once these things are set into place, it seems overwhelming now um, to think about. But the reality is, and you feel all the weight of leadership development on your shoulders. I know, because I felt it. But I'm telling you, the reason why we talk about structure and systems and all these pieces so much is because that is what the weight hangs on. That structure is what the weight of the ministry is no longer on just your shoulders. It's Mm -hmm. spread across the structure and the systems and the very skilled people that you've developed and selected to carry that forward. And guys, thanks so much for listening today. We will... Put uh, some of those resources in the show notes. So when you are saying, hey, I I want those job descriptions, where can I get those? We'll make sure that you have the link to get those uh, and a sample application as well. So there's different things like that along the way. As uh, Dan already mentioned, Ministry Grid, there's tons of free content on Ministry Grid, both for Leadership Pipeline um, and and free resources as well. If you ever want to go there and just kind of poke around or you want to know more about that, uh, just please reach out to to our team or go to that website and uh, just click the box in the bottom right corner. So thanks so much for listening. Uh, Please, if you're liking what you're hearing, share it with a couple people and hop on to iTunes and leave us a rating and review. Thanks for listening.